Focus on the Family Canada wants to inspire teen girls to grow in their faith with a new and improved Brio magazine. By nearly doubling the size of each magazine, teen girls will love the fresh new design, including more articles, interviews, and daily devotions focused on a growing faith in Christ. Inspire teen girls to grow in their faith. Order your subscription today at briomagazine.ca. That's briomagazine.ca. Or call 1-800-8-FAMILY. That was the time that she sat me down and said, son, I want to talk to you about this thing called life. And um, she said, son, I want you to know that there's greatness in you. Mm. You, you need to understand that um, ever since you were born, even before you were born, even when they were telling me to abort you, I knew that that was not going to happen. That's Mike Singletary, the Hall of Fame NFL player and coach who's been through a lot of rough things in life, but he has overcome through Christ. And what an inspirational story we have for you today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, Mike Singletary is a great example of what it means to be an overcomer. Uh, He's overcome so many obstacles to become the man of God that he is today. He is best known, of course, for his NFL football prowess. Uh, He was the intimidating linebacker for the Chicago Bears for Mm -hmm. many years. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure quarterbacks were very fearful of facing off against this guy. I watched Mike a lot on TV. My dad was a Bears fan, still is, lifelong Bears fan. And uh, the intensity came through so much. And, uh, yeah, he's he's done so much on the field. That's fun. But, you know, that's just a sport that some of us really, really enjoy. And some very few were fortunate enough to play. But there are other aspects to every human being, and Mike certainly had many things going on as a child, uh, as a young married guy trying to figure out his way, and then as that convicted Christian about what it is to live a life that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk to him today about all those aspects of his of his journey. Yeah, and we should mention that uh, Mike and his wife Kim have seven children and six grandchildren. He's a speaker, and we are so glad to have him here today. Mike, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you very much. I'm already shaking a little bit, you know, because <laughs> I was that quarterback, There's and man, linebackers, I court. tried to run away from you guys, <laughs> and you're, you're mean and tough. Uh, well, I had a lot of fun. I, I, I will say that. I had you a really lot enjoyed it, huh? I really did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do want to come back to your childhood and, and speak to what the Lord brought you through. I mean, both you and I, I think, had kind of rough childhoods. I grew up with a single-parent mom, and and uh, our, my dad left when I was young. That same kind of story that so many young people are facing today, the broken family syndrome. Um, but you had really two things that occurred that I want to touch on. One was the divorce of your parents when you were young, and then also uh, the death of your brother. So let's speak to those traumatic situations that you had as a child, uh, the divorce of your parents. What happened? Well, um you know, I think like uh, many large families uh, in America, it was a situation where mom and dad got married maybe at 15 and 16 mm-hmm. years old. Uh, my dad was um, really put out of his home at, at 12 years old. Wow. So, you know, they worked uh, as sharecroppers uh, in um, East Texas and just really trying to make it, just just trying from week to week trying to make it my wow. my dad was trying to figure out what he was going to do for his life and 
in terms of occupation. Um, but those were, they were working their way through life. And, and when you have a lot of kids fast and next thing you know, uh, you got a house full of kids, you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it. And it was tough. And I, I, um, for a long time, I, I really disliked my dad, could not stand to be around him. Right. So, um, really difficult, uh, but I watched all of this. It was, it finally came to a head. You know, my, my dad was just under a lot of pressure all the time. Yeah, it was like life was just coming Absolutely. at them, right? Yeah. In that context, um, how old were you when your, your dad and mom split? Twelve. You were 12, twelve years old, yes. and you had older siblings, obviously. Yes. Um, did your dad cut off communication? Did you speak to your dad? He didn't. No. When, uh, when my dad left, uh, I still worked with him. Okay. I mean, so you had nothing, that connection. Nothing really changed right. be, between he and I. It was just he didn't sleep at home anymore. Right. But it was it was very tough. And that brings us back to that question of your, your brother who passed away, because that made a significant impact on you as well. What happened? Well, right after my dad left, uh, a few weeks after my dad left, uh, my brother Grady, who was next to me in the family line, came back home. He moved back home because... Um, he wanted to help my mom financially as as well as try to keep me in line. Huh. Um, but uh, he just came home, and, and but he was coming home as dad, hmm. and uh, that was tough. He he was the father figure, and mm-hmm. and he and I had to work through that. But six months after he came back home, he was killed in an automobile accident. Hmm. So uh, that was uh, really, really tough for me, Yeah, really tough. More um, loss. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to figure out, now is hitting me at my core. Okay, dad leaves, I get that. I, I, I wanted him to leave. But Grady, coming back home and doing the right thing, now I, I'm, I'm struggling because I'm thinking, God, what, what, are you in this? Mm-hmm. Uh, surely you, you know about this. So... How do I, how do I navigate through this? So finally, I just come to a place of saying, you know what? I am just going to be mediocre. I'm, I'm just going to settle. I'm not going to, this whole Christian thing, I'm not sure about it. So you have a sense of God, but now you're questioning if these bad Big things time. are going to happen to me. Big time. Why should I believe in you? Big time. How long did that discussion take with God before you said, okay, I get it? whatever it is, and now I'm going to stick with you. Well, it wasn't until my mom walked in the kitchen. She, uh, shortly after my, uh, we buried my brother, I had come to the conclusion that that's what I was going to do with my life. I was just going to be mediocre. I wasn't mm. going to strive to do anything great, but I wasn't going to be the worst. But if I could just be in the middle, I, I could make it. Yeah. So she saw, she knew me very well. Um, I had a close relationship with my mom, and uh, that was the time that she sat me down and said, son, I want to talk to you about this thing called life. And um, she said, son, I want you to know that there's greatness in you. Mm. You you need to understand that um, <laughs> ever since you were born, even before you were born, even when they were telling me to abort you, I knew that that was not going to happen. I knew that God had something special about you, the last one 
we are going to we're going to make this happen. You are going to be born and you are going to do great things. And she wow. said, I, I want you to know what what life is about. Life is about and you get punched in the stomach and you get kicked in the teeth. That you got to find a way to get up, dust yourself off and get back in the ring. And you just got to keep swinging, son. And you just got to keep swinging. And then she asked me the question that uh, changed my life. She said, son, I, I know this isn't fair. I know this is, this is hard for you. But I want to know if you can become the man of the house. I, I need you right now. Can you do that? Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I looked at her. And, and for the first time, it was a different look. Uh, it was a look that um, she really, really believed in me and she needed me to step up at this time. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, Mom, I can do that. And I got up and I walked in my room and I got out a sheet of paper and, and that's when I wrote out my vision statement for life. She, 12 years old. At 12 years old. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Suppose you were to call Dees Insurance and discover that over the past few years, you've been overpaying on your car insurance premiums, thousands of dollars that could have gone into ministry or be spent on your family. It's more common than you think. Stats confirm even the insurance companies that have taken the most dramatic increases retain 85% of their clients. Not because there aren't alternatives, it's consumer apathy. Call Deeks Insurance at 1-800-240-5283. Deeksinsurance.ca. Hi, this is Jim Daly. Is your family feeling tired, restless, even stressed out? Well, you're not alone. These are tough times. And that's why we at Focus on the Family have created something new and helpful for you and your loved ones. It's called Focus at Home, a free on-demand streaming service featuring the faith-filled content from Focus on the Family that you know and trust. With Focus at Home, it's like you're getting access to our content vault. Explore old favorites like Adventures in Odyssey or Radio Theater. Discover new interactive children's stories. And we'll have a few surprises for you along the way. There's something fun for every member of the family. And we'll keep adding fresh titles so you can check in every day. Best of all, it's 100% biblically based. Sign up now and get total access to our best content for families during this challenging season. Visit FocusOnTheFamily.ca focusonthefamily.ca Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Mike, I mean, the power of a loving mom is amazing. And it clearly had a huge impact on your life. Um, so you came from a broken home and you lost your brother. And now I need to uh, move the story along to you and your wife, Kim. Uh, something wasn't right in your marriage early on. And it really needed to be top priority, didn't it? It's, it's really important. Um, my wife and I were talking about this the other night. We are talking about when we first met. And, um, you know, we, we were just reminiscing on how difficult it was, you know, when we were at Baylor uh, dating and, and how alone she felt. Me, I, you know, I had the team. Right. She didn't have anything. But when we were engaged, I, you know, there were just so many things going through my mind because she was white, I was black. Uh, there were just a lot of questions. So 
during that time is so interesting because when I'm walking around on that AstroTurf after the Super Bowl, the two things that staring me right in the face is I've got to go and forgive my dad. You know, I just negotiated a, a, a new contract, a defensive player of the year that year. Um, we win the Super Bowl. I'm having, getting ready to have our first child. And, I mean, everything is just wonderful outside of me. And, and yet inside of me, I'm just torn. So I've got to go call my dad. I, and, and I fought it. I fought it tooth and nail. I said, Lord, I, I, I don't. I don't need to talk to him. I mean, we don't have anything to say to each other. I mean, I don't hate him, but I knew it was the it was the spirit uh, inside of me, a small voice, basically saying, "Do you love me?" Yes, I love you. Then you need to do this. So, hmm. surely enough, I, I call and he answers on on the first ring, and you know, I just want to get this over with. So I'm saying, Dad, you know what? I I just this is, this is your son, Mike, and um, I knew, I'm just calling you to say I forgive you. That's really when the conversation started. He said, forgive me for what? Right. You know, I, I put clothes on your back, and, you know, you, <laughs> you weren't hungry, or, um, you know, paid for the house you stayed in. What, what, what do you mean? Forgive me for what, son? And that's when all hell broke loose. That, right. That's when we, we started you know, talking, started really yelling and screaming and, it's about an hour, say an hour, hour and a half, crying, screaming, yelling. But when I hung up that phone, something had been set free. Hmm. Something had broken. And um, shortly after that, I, I went down to Houston to see him. And I got to know him. It was the first time that I had ever really had a chance to get to know him. Hmm. And we became friends during that time. And um, I began to understand why he did certain things that he did. And um, I remember asking him, um, how in the world did, did you just walk out? Yeah. You know, and kind of uh, the question. Yes. And he said, son, I just it's like driving down the highway and you, you see an exit and, and you know you're supposed to take it. I, and I just couldn't. I, I just I, I just. I just couldn't get off. I knew I was making bad decisions. I knew that I need to, needed to, to do something different, but yet I just kept right on going and, and doing the things that I shouldn't have. I knew I needed to talk to your mom and try to work things out. I knew I needed to talk to your sisters and brothers, but I just couldn't. And he said, um, I hope you never have to make that choice and and don't. So it was it was an opportunity to really get a chance to have a visit, not only with my dad, but the person that I would have become had I not yeah. went through that situation. It changed who you are. Yes. At the same time, I'm sure it also changed your relationship with your wife, Kim. How did, how did that conversation then move into your relationship with your wife well really what it did it, it kind of it, it fed into it it, it uh, after that conversation with my dad after visiting with him and we had that encounter uh, now I'm feeling really good I'm feeling good but mm -hmm. there's still something there but it's kind of like 
half and half. Half of me is feeling really good, but there's there's like a, a hang-up over here. And I'm like, the um, Lord, what is this? And um, the next thing was, uh, I, I need you to come clean with Kim. I need you to tell her everything you did hmm. that wasn't right in that relationship while you were dating. And I'm like, um, no, I, I know this is not God. No, I, I'm, I, I don't, I mean, we weren't married. I see no reason why I have to do this. So I'm thinking, Lord, I, I, I have sinned against you and you alone. You know, as David would say, why do I have to go and, and tell her? Well, you know, this is just going to hurt her. This isn't going to help. Why am I doing this? And once again, that, that small voice is, uh, do you love me? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, sir. Then obey me. And so I told her everything. Um, and, of course, I, I felt like um, I felt like the worst guy in the world. You know, you watch your your wife sit there and cry who believed in you but knew something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Who's pregnant with your child. It was it was a really, really difficult time. And finally, after six months to a year, one day I just said, you know what? You're going to have to make up your mind. You're going to have to make up your mind to trust me. You're going to have to make up your mind to love me and forgive me the way uh, God calls us to do this. Uh, if you want to leave, then you got to leave. I'm asking you to stay. I screwed up while we were dating, while we were engaged. That, that's on me. But I promise you, the rest of my entire life, I will love you the way God has called us to love each other. And um, I will never lie to you. I will never look somewhere else. I will always honor you. I will always put you first um, on this earth. And I will be the kind of man that you will be very proud to call a husband. And from that day forth, um, you know, God began to deal with me on things that that I needed to be dealt with. I mean, I was hard headed. I was, I was uh, strong willed. I was, and little by little, God just began to strip me of those things until this day. Mike, let me, let me ask you, I was watching uh, a news opinion person the other day. It was Tucker Carlson. And he said something after interviewing uh, a guest that really caught my attention. He was talking about the breakdown of the family generally and its impact on the culture. But one thing at the end he said, he said, the country is really breaking down into those that love their fathers and those who hate their fathers. Wow, that is a powerful mm -hmm. statement. And you look at the lack of reconciliation between a child and their dad and the destruction that that creates, the animosity, the bitterness. I do think even with what we see going on in the country today, so much of it, I'm not talking about just race relations. I'm talking about just all of it is rooted in these family dynamics that have been so poisonous um, how do you see those things with your friendships and you and Kim and the people that you know when you look at what's going on 
and your own experience with your dad, that reconciliation, putting yourself aside and all the bitterness that you had. I can feel that too, but it is. It's like the world breaks down into two groups, those who love their dads and those who hate their fathers. No, you, you're exactly right. Um, you know, something happens, and, and I see it very clearly, something happens when you don't forgive a parent whether it's a mom, whether it's a dad. I've seen it on both sides, mostly uh, dads. But um, when you're able to come to that person who is supposedly the most trusted person, you know, I don't even have to think about it. I can turn my back on mom or dad, and, and I know they got my back, and now I can look toward my enemies. But now when your mom or dad is one of those enemies, it, it changes your thought process. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust men. I don't trust women. I don't trust. And, and so that's a reconciliation at the very core. Because now, um, if I'm not able to go to a parent and say, I forgive you, then I, I, I've got to take that in my life. And it's going to, that, that unforgiveness is, is going to lock away a part of me that I can never touch, that I can never reach. And uh, that tool that allows me to uh, someone that hurt me, someone that said something, I don't have the tool to be able to come back and say, hey, you know what? That's okay. That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on. No, I don't have that tool. I, I don't have the ability to do that because the, the person that is supposed to be the closest to me, the person that the hand that, that raised me, I don't trust them, and, and I have not gone back to say, you know, I forgive you, um, I'm, I, and I'm sorry that we didn't have a relationship. Can we have a relationship? I've never done that. So how in the world could I ever forgive anybody else? How in the world could I ever be free to uh, extend myself to someone and be vulnerable? How could I ever do that? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I just, there's a part of me that's locked away that um, will never be discovered because my mind said, no, they're not worthy. I'm not going to do that. Right. And that old saying that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people mm -hmm. hurt Isn't people. that the way it is? And I think we're seeing it in the culture today. And I think it, the, the fountainhead of everything goes back to the family and the breakdown of the family. You mentioned your mom not aborting you, as we talked earlier, and we flew through that. But I want to emphasize the issue of abortion. I mean, that's one of the reasons we have you here at Focus on the Family. We wanted to talk to you about the importance of life. And when you look at the issue of abortion, it's complicated. I get that. I know that women and some women feminists will argue and organizations like Planned Parenthood argue about reproductive rights. We use these terms that make it sound so clinical and so above board. But theologically, it's about taking innocent human life. And I think the scourge on our nation is um, deep because of it. 60 million people taken out mm. before they had their first breath. How do you relate that to everything we've been talking about? Your mom's decision that she sensed greatness in you, that she was not going to listen to the doctors who said, 
I think you should abort this baby. And fill in some of those gaps. You started with some tough medical issues as a, a young boy, asthma and other things. Yes. And then you um, grew into this powerful NFL football player. I mean, it's amazing what God can do. So just fill in some of those gaps for me and your thoughts and reflections about the issue of life. I think it really comes down to trust. I think a lot of women and a lot of guys, you know, there are many different scenarios. Um, you know, uh, you got pregnant but you're married, uh, and, and we made a mistake. Um, you got raped. Um, you know, this is a relationship that cannot happen. Uh, I'm too young. Uh, it's many, many different scenarios, but it, it comes down to, uh, the fear of God. So when you begin to have a relationship like that and, and you develop a fear of God, then, you know that this is something that I, I, I don't, it's not an option. It's not an option because who knows who I'm carrying? Right. Who knows what, what the value of, of who I'm carrying? And uh, who knows what God can do with the life? But yet I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid of what they are going to think. I'm afraid of what they are going to say. I'm, a, I'm embarrassed. What a, so, I mean, I, I know that there are many different thoughts, many different. Um, but when it comes down to it, it it's a trust issue. I, I got to trust that I made a mistake. Yeah. And I need to admit that it was a mistake. And, Lord, I am not going to take a life that. It is my responsibility to bring forth. Right. I'm not going to take what only you can give. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. No, and it's it's so well said. I mean, I'm thinking of your mom with, you know, nine kids, and then she finds out she's pregnant with you. She's got a struggling marriage. I think it would have been in today's, you know, viewpoint, uh, you know, the wise thing to do is to not allow this child to come into this horrific situation and i don't care if you end up becoming mike singletary one of the greatest linebackers that ever played in the nfl all lives are valuable and worthy and i think mike that's one of the most powerful things that we've talked about today you've had a very interesting life i'm so glad i've had a chance to get to know you this way so well done mike singletary thank you for being with us today thank you and for being with us for the Sea Life 2020 event. Thank you for participating with us. Thank you. And you can find out more about Sea Life 2020 when you stop by our website. Mike will be a featured speaker. We'll also uh, be hearing from Alveda King, Lila Rose, Candace Owens, and Benjamin Watson. And uh, we'll be featuring a live 4D ultrasound of a preborn baby. That's September 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern online, and uh, we'll be joining with our friends from the March for Life and Live Action. Get all the details at focusonthefamily.ca. John, as we've just heard from Mike Singletary, life is precious, and I hope you'll help us to save preborn babies through our Option Ultrasound program here at Focus on the Family. When an abortion-minded woman sees her baby in the womb, she is much more likely to choose life. And your gift of $60 will save a baby's life through that program. So far, 459,000 babies have been saved. If you can give $60 a month, that would be so incredible toward the impact you would have for life. 
uh, call us and make that donation. And when you do, some generous donors will match your gift. So it'll be doubled to save even more babies' lives. Call and donate today. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Or you can donate at focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.